A well-respected NFL mind has the Cardinals trading back in the first round in his latest mock draft. Should they? Should the Cardinals really look at drafting a wide receiver in the second or third round to catch lightning in a bottle and not have to potentially trade up to draft a wide receiver in the first? And my boy, Brendan Clean from Locked On Suns joins the show. We're going to compare the Cardinals and the Suns. There's more similarities than you'd think. Alex Clancy, Locked On Cardinals. Here we go. You are Locked On Cardinals. Your daily Arizona Cardinals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome in. Welcome in. Locked On Cardinals. Alex Clancy here. Follow me on Twitter at Clancy's Corner. Follow the podcast at Locked On AZ Cards. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, thanks for making Locked On Cardinals your first listen each and every day, free and available on all platforms. You can also check me out today with Tyler Roland from Locked On Titans on the Locked On NFL National Show, both on YouTube and free and available wherever you get your podcasts. My boy Brendan Clean, host of Locked On Suns, is going to join me in the third segment. And we're going to talk Suns, but it's not going to be mostly about the on-the-court stuff. It's going to be about Monty Williams. It's going to be about James Jones and how they've changed the structure of the Phoenix Suns organization, adding stability, adding adults in the room, in a position where the Suns desperately needed after going through a litany, a cavalcade, a big old bunch of head coaches in between Mike D'Antoni and now before finding their guy and look at where that's got him. Uh, the wide receiver pay scale is bonkers. And I have a theory I'm going to talk about in the second segment. First, here we go. Like, Lance line I've interviewed him a couple times. Great dude. One of the best, smartest football minds out there. He did his most recent mock draft, okay? He had the Cardinals trading back from 23 to 29 to the Chiefs to pick up a third rounder, and they give the Chiefs, I think, a sixth or seventh rounder. Okay. Before I tell you who he has the Cardinals taking, let's look at that at face value. If And I've talked about this a little bit over the last week and, and, and a little bit of last week. If the Cardinals get an offer like this, and you know they are hell-bent on not drafting an offensive lineman, which it seems by all accounts that they are, and the, their, their wide receivers that they wanted are gone, uh, even though Peter Schrager said Jahan Dotson is, is their guy from Penn State, 5'11", Steve Kime special. He's projected to be a mid-second rounder, but somehow the Cardinals like him in the first round. Have you heard any of this before? If they want to draft a wide receiver and the guys that they want are gone, namely, you know, Garrett Wilson and, and Jamison Williams, uh, Chris Olave, if those guys are gone, and you get an offer to trade back six spots and you don't want to draft an offensive lineman. It's kind of like a come-what-may scenario and you get an extra third for it. I'd be up for it. I'd be in for it. Depends on what the package would be. Depends on what players are still available. Land Zero Line has the Cardinals taking running back Brees Hall out of Iowa State with the 29th pick. The rationale, you get, an, you get some more draft capital. You're going to draft a running back anyway. You may as well get him now because he's not going to be there in the mid-second round when you want him. No, 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 please, no. Michael Scott, dear God, no. And, like, 
Is it a rational pick? Sure. Is it a rational pick for the Cardinals? No. And I'm going to tell you why. Of all of the glaring needs the Arizona Cardinals have, the most inconsequential of all of them is the running back room. Like, if you have to get a spectrum out, say, of most consequence, of least consequence, the running back room is by default. You need pass rush. You need wide receivers. You need offensive line. You need interior defensive line. You need corners. Yes, you need a running back. Absolutely. Do you need it with the first with your first round pick? No. No, no, no. Brees Hall is going to be a three-down back. Yeah, maybe he's the best back in the draft. Maybe he is. But the Cardinals don't deserve to draft that pick right now. They don't deserve to draft that running back. I know it would be awesome. It'd be sweet. I'd love it because I get to talk about a new running back to go along with James Conner and Kyler Murray in the backfield. They're going to run rough shot all over the league. I get all of it. I understand why it'd be fun. It's not the right move for the Arizona Cardinals for the future. It's not right for stability. There are so many more glaring needs that even though Brees Hall is my choice in the second round, if the Cardinals can get him, if he's still available on the board, that's a long way away from 40 picks before that at 29 overall in this trade-back scenario. I like the trade-back. If they're hell-bent on not drafting an offensive lineman, or if there are like four people on their draft board that they still like, that are still available at 23, and you'd like to play the two-third shot that one of them is going to be there six picks down the road, and you want to pick up an extra third, there are worse things in the world. But drafting a running back, regardless of where you draft in the first round, is a no-go for me. Alex Clancy, Locked on Cardinals, coming up next. The wide receiver pay scale is Bonk City. I hate that. I heard somebody say it, and I wanted to – I'm sorry that I poisoned your ears with it, but I had to say it to somebody else. I had to get it out of my cerebellum and into yours. Apologies, but not really. Do the Cardinals just punt on drafting a wide receiver until the second or third round? Do you just punt on it? I'm going to explain a couple different reasons why the answer is yes. Next, Locked on Cardinals. First, BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your bet sports, your, your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports development, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Thank you for making Locked on Cardinals your first listen every day. Truly, thank you. I wouldn't be here without you. There's a big announcement starting Thursday, April 28th. Tune into the Locked on NFL Draft's live coverage of the 2022 draft with all three days of real-time analysis from our extensive lineup of experts and insiders. And for those of you dying to know who your team will take, catch Odyssey and Locked On's NFL Mock Draft Special hosted by Brian Peacock and former scout Matt Williamson of the Peacock and Williamson Show all week leading up to the first pick. So if you want to check out the Locked On NFL Draft Live, go to the Locked On NFL Draft YouTube page. If you want to check out the Odyssey NFL Mock Draft, check out the Odyssey and Locked On NFL Draft podcast feeds. And again, just to remind you, the Locked On NFL Draft Live is April 28th at 7 p.m. Eastern, starting April 29th, starting at 6.30 p.m. Eastern, and April 30th, starting at 11.30 a.m. Eastern. And the Odyssey NFL Mock Draft is April 18th to the 22nd and the 25th. Boom. Should the Cardinals maybe just punt and draft a wide receiver in the second or third round? I don't think they should take a wide receiver in the first round. 
I think that's pretty clear. Uh, the second round, I still think it should be the best edge rusher or best corner on the board or interior defensive lineman. Cardinals got a lot of needs. And I think a third round, the third round is where the Cardinals draft a wide receiver. There is reasoning behind this. Trust me. Let me say it. Number one, I tweeted out trading up to draft a wide receiver is the worst environment imaginable. The biggest mistake you can make. And there's a reason why. Do you want to put that much trust into draft experts and scouts and people of that regard when you haven't seen that person play before in the NFL? For every Julio Jones, there's a bunch of Denzel Mims. For every Julio Jones, there's a bunch of John Rosses. R-O-S-S apostrophe S. Please. No, that'd be actually plural. Never mind. If you're going to take a stab at a wide receiver, Terry McLaurin, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Deontay Johnson, DK Metcalf, the list goes on and on of wide receivers that are exemplary, that are fringe all-pro guys that can be had in the late second round and early third round. For every, like, do you think that the Cowboys would draft somebody else not named CD Lamb if they could? I think they would. CD Lamb's looked at as this RB, a wide receiver one. Where? He's shown flashes of incredibleness, as I make up a word on, you know, doing a podcast. He's not Justin Jefferson, he's not Jamar Chase. You know, it's, but Jamar Chase, Patrick Mahomes did. He ruined the curve for everybody. He took a year off, and he was a top three receiver in the league last year. Debo Samuel, second round. Just because everybody says this guy is the best, this player in the draft, doesn't mean it's going to come true. And it's hard to see that right now because that's all we've seen. Most people, including me, didn't know 60% of the people they're going to be drafted this year, 70%, until I started doing my research towards the end of the Cardinal season. So think about this rationally. You could think and draft with what other people think before seeing anything that happens. And obviously that's what the whole draft is. I mean, come on. But... You only get one first-round pick. You're the Cardinals. Do you really want to waste that, potentially waste that, on what could be a shiny object syndrome fabricated by a bunch of draft pundits? Or do you want to draft a wide receiver that fits the scheme of the Cardinals in the second or third round with a lot less pressure from to be that first-round wide receiver? I think the latter is better. I think it's less pressure. And I, I think that's the way the Cardinals should go. Brendan Clean of Locked on Suns is going to join me next. He does a great job over there. They've been on a wild ride the last 24 months. And there are gaps now, but were a lot of similarities between the Arizona Cardinals coaching staff now and the Suns coaching staff before Monty Williams took over. We're going to do a deeper dive into the coaching staff and front office of both squads and how much that's helped propel the Suns to where they are now and where the Cardinals may want to take notice. 
That's next Locked on Cardinals first. Shady Rays. Shady Rays is an independent sunglass company that gives you the features of $200 sunglasses for a fraction of the price. Polarized lenses, well-constructed durable frames, premium high-end finishes. Something you won't find anywhere else, though, is Shady Rays' insane protection program. It includes lost and broken protection on every pair. They'll send you a brand new pair if you lose them, no matter what happened. Give them a try, and if you don't love them, you'll pay nothing. That sounds pretty good, right? It's as simple as that. Plus, 10 meals are donated to fight hunger in America when you shop with Shady Rays exclusively for our listeners, though. Head to the ShadyRays.com and use code LOCKEDON to get 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. That's code LOCKEDON for their best deal of the season. 50% off two or more pairs of Shady Rays sunglasses backed by over 150,000 five-star reviewsies. And RockAuto.com, they're a five-star review in and of themselves. Okay, so I'm in my jammies. I need paint. I need I need paint, or I need you know tires, or I need you know whatever tail lamps. I don't want to go to a chain storefront. I don't want to ask the embarrassing questions. I got Google right here. What do I need for my car? I don't want to have to go ask a stranger. They're going to make fun of me. And there's a chance that that part may not even be in stock. They're going to have to order it. Or that part may be 30, 40, 50% of what it would be on rockauto.com. Rockauto.com, it's a family-owned business. They're not going to upcharge family, man. They've been online for 20 years. Okay, all you have to do, rockauto.com. Type in what you need, bing, bang, boom. Make, model, color, boom, it's on your doorstep, plop, a couple days later. It's that simple. Again, prices are reliably low. They're a family-owned business. They're, they've been online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com, right Locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Welcome back, Locked On Cardinals. Alex Clancy here. Follow me at Clancy's Corner. Follow the podcast at Locked On AZ Cards. Thank you for making Locked On Cardinals your first listen each and every day, free and available on all platforms. We've been waiting to get this dude on for a while. Very busy. Um, hopefully, he's experiencing the infrastructure and winning that the Cardinals will be on their way to doing. Um, this dude, Brendan Clean, host of Locked On Suns, um brendan first of all welcome uh i hope you're enjoying what the hell you're experiencing right now trying um, to yeah you know and and we're recording this um on wednesday afternoon um we don't know exactly uh what the sun's picture is going to be but um you know i want to focus on the big picture here like it's great for the valley what we've seen since chris paul's acquisition Devin Booker's emergence, DeAndre Ayton's emergence, Miles Br- uh, Mikhail Bridges has become this star that made James Jones look like that looks to be the best move that James Jones has made since being the GM of the, of the Phoenix Suns, you know, um, in the draft at least. Tell me what it was like around the Earl Watson years and what it's like with James Jones and Monty Williams really leading the charge of stability that's yielded winning a brotherhood and something we haven't seen from the Phoenix Suns in, you know, over a decade. Yeah. Well, first it's, it's cool to be on. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a big Cardinals fan, yeah. so I know where, I know where we're going with this and I can definitely, uh, you know, sympathize and I have half of my soul still in, in Cardinals land for sure. So I'm, I'm by no means going to do some sort of victory lap for all your listeners and prance around like, Oh, I get to cover the team that, figured it's its way out of a, of a nightmare um but 
Look, the thing is, man, it's uh, with these th- this particular Suns team, like it, it, it happened overnight. I mean, there's really not as crazy as it might sound for people that that maybe are, you know, mostly Cardinals fans that, that kind of perk up at the NBA whenever the Suns are good. And then suddenly we're like, what are we doing here? It, that's how it felt like that was not a, you know, something that it only occurred to uh, folks from afar with like they they the James Jones thing was a mistake. Like at the, at the time, every single person in their right mind would have thought firing the general manager a week before the regular season back in 2018 and installing this guy who's basically as old as Chris Paul is right now to be the general manager and James Jones at that time. And, uh, you know, he kind of treads water through his first year. Then all of a sudden they're getting Monty Williams, who's been out of the league and had this tragedy with his family, make him step away. And, and now he's back and he's he's saying no to the Lakers. Like, what what is going on? What is this team going to look like? We're getting Ricky Rubio. What is that going to be? <laughs> he can't really score. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, 18 months later, they're going undefeated in the bubble and and the finals are, are kind of at the end of the tunnel all of a sudden. So it, uh, it, it did not, I don't feel like anybody, if anybody in that building told you that there was some sort of grand, grand blueprint, they would be lying to you. I mean, I, I just can't imagine that even James Jones, when he was dreaming up the best possible scenario, was sitting there thinking we'll be in the finals uh, less than three years into my tenure. It just, to, to go from where they were to that is, uh, it, it's, it's crazy. And that said, they're for real. And I, I will fully, you know, explain myself there too. I, I don't think this team last year was no fluke. This is a championship or bust type of situation we're in and we're all just along for the ride. Yeah. Uh, Brendan clean host of locked on Suns. I'm going to let you run down your litany of, um, of jobs that you have, uh, you know, at Brendan clean 14 on Twitter, check him out. Locked on Suns each and every day free and available on our platforms here on the locked on podcast network. You know, the question I want, the most important question I want to ask, I'm going to wait for just a second. You know, with Chris Paul being there, um, I have been a huge, and we've texted about this, I've been a huge non-believer in Chris Paul because I feel like he hasn't he hasn't played anywhere where there were true expectations, and if there were, he fell short. We talked about this last during the playoffs last year. The Clippers are the only spot that he's been at where there's been true expectations that, you know, to win, to to elevate a franchise that's been terrible. Even with Houston, Golden State was so much better, and then he breaks his hand, so he's got it out. He was injured. He wasn't on the court. They, they're they up 3-2, and they lose that series. But then he goes to, you know, OKC. It's like there's no expectations there. You can be a great leader because you're not expected to win. And then when they had a shot to win a game down the stretch, he's throwing the ball to a 20-year-old, and they end up throwing the ball out of bounds. They lose that series. And then – he comes to Phoenix, and obviously the rest is – they're so balanced that, yes, he's the quarterback on the court. Devin Booker's obviously emerging – is a superstar, has emerged into being a superstar in this league. Why is it different here? This isn't necessarily the best roster he's played with. I mean, you could argue that the Clippers at their peak with Blake Griffin, DeAndre – I mean, I would assume that Devin Booker is the best player he's played with, maybe alongside James Harden. Yeah. But he compliments Chris Paul a lot more than James Harden did. Why is it different here? What's different? Yeah, well, what's different with Chris? I think uh, it is a lot about this roster. Like, I do think 
He's probably ne never played with as well-rounded of a big man as DeAndre Ayton. I, I don't classify Blake as a big man. He, he's a very unique player. DeAndre Jordan, not as good as DeAndre Ayton. Clint Capella, not as good as DeAndre Ayton. So some of the things that you know Chris Paul needs to succeed are here. He has defense around him. He has shooters around him. That's all good. You talked about Book. Um, but I think what changed for Chris when you're thinking about his career and, and why it's different big picture for him right now, I think you have to go back to the Thunder season. And uh, one of the things I did on my show when he first got to the Valley, Chris did, is talk to Thunder people, uh, a couple different shows and, and some national reporters who had reported on Chris. And everybody agreed. Like, that situation was not only humbling, but I think it was eye-opening for him because he was a guy who hadn't, he didn't want to go there, right? And then they try to get him to sit. Uh, there's a lot of funny stories about those meetings where the general manager over in Oklahoma City was like, hey, Chris, we're going to rest you. You're going you're gonna to sit games. You're going to be a DNP rest. And Chris is like, I'm not. I'm not going to do that, actually. Like, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm the captain now kind of thing. And then he yeah. just didn't. And then all of a sudden – Going into the bubble, they are, you know, a genuine, like, not a contender. I don't think anyone thought of them as a title favorite, but, like, they could be a frisky playoff team with him and a bunch of kids, right? So I think what he learned there is I can still win with this. And so he gets to the Suns, and I don't – I think Book's better than anybody he had in Oklahoma City. But you look at DeAndre Ayton, you look at Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, Cam Payne, and I think what he learned in Oklahoma City allowed him to embrace – the work of turning this team into something. And I mean, the, the young guys deserve a lot of credit. I, I definitely don't buy into the narrative of like Chris Paul just came here and he just whipped everybody into shape. Like that's not how sports work. Players don't just add talent because another guy gets there. They had to be good and, and put the work in on their own. And they did that. But that process with the Thunder, I think, helped him realize kind of what it took to do it that way. And then he applied those lessons to a team that was already better, really ready to make that leap. And then they kind of did it together, made, made the leap. And it's, uh, it's never, not, not, not in my wildest dreams that I think the Chris Paul thing would go this well, but um, it, it's turned out to be kind of a match made in heaven. Both sides have just gone up as a result. Yeah, you know, uh, Brennan Clean Locked On Suns joining me here on this fun little crossover in the middle of a Steve Kimeless, um, you know, what, whatever the hell he's doing with the Arizona Cardinals. I talked about it in the first two segments. I mean, and look at what he did for Shea Gilgis Alexander. Like, I know that SGA was, yeah. he was emerging. He probably would have got close. Look at how long it's taken DeJounte Murray to get there without somebody. And he's yeah. finally gotten there, and everybody saw what it was. But, I mean, DeJounte Murray. He had to do that on his own with Pop, you know, obviously. And, I mean, he, he had the infrastructure there, but not necessarily a player um, a player mentor. Let me – this is the question I want to ask, and we're going to talk a few minutes about this. We're going to go long. Sorry. I mean, I'm going to talk 35 minutes on this podcast. Just deal with it. So, um, how good percentage-wise – and I didn't I, – we haven't prepped this at all, so I wanted to ask you this on your toes to begin with, you know, yeah. on purpose. How good percentage-wise are is this roster without Monty Williams and James Jones? Like, if you take a run-of-the-mill average core, uh, take a Frank Vogel, for example. Take Frank Vogel, competent Rick Carlisle, competent, above average, but not what Monty Williams is and whatever GM you want to throw in there. It, it doesn't it doesn't really matter because they've they've been built at this point. What percentage is this team without the support? and like backbone that Monty Williams and James Jones have been. 
Yeah, it's it's an interesting question. I think from the jump, the thing you prob that I probably didn't hit at enough when I was explaining kind of how we got here is the two of them meshing the way that they have. Mm. They clearly have an understanding of the types of basketball players and the types of people that are going to work. Like Monty uses this word program. And to me, it's like a little bit silly. It's like, if you want to sound like the adult in the room as a coach, you say program instead of team. And you just, you, you like win the press conference if you throw program out there a couple of times. Mm -hmm. But I feel like for Monty, it's real. Like he does think of it that way. He, remember, comes from Pop, the guy you were just talking about, building up that team into something over the years. And I think he he really did take the holistic kind of approach from that. And then you have James Jones, who we forget, maybe some people might forget, is the guy who, aside from LeBron James, was also in like uh, two decades straight worth of finals, right? He was on all of those LeBron teams from Miami to Cleveland retires and then takes over and, and basically goes right back to winning as GM of the sun. So they're both winners. They both come from programs with pedigree and they both got what they were looking for and went about finding it together. And I think they have that cohesion. I don't think Monty's a guy who's, you know, breaking down the cap or anything like that, but I think they just, they're just so in tune about what types of, of guys they're going to be bringing in here. And so that's helped. I think a guy like Cam Johnson without both the foresight of James Jones to know what he could be and the ability of Monty to, to mold him into that, Cam Johnson is the bust. We thought he all, we all thought he was going to be when the Suns drafted him uh, back in 2019. Campaign. Monty's yeah. relationship from the Thunder days is why he came here. And then Jones buys into that idea, goes out and signs him. And then Monty's system and, and player development program is, is good enough to turn that guy into a player that can compete, can score 29 points in a, in a conference finals game when Chris Paul has uh, COVID. So it's those types of examples that I think really have lifted it. Like I'm of the opinion that book was going to be what book was going to be. Um, Mikhail was going to be what Mikhail was going to be. I don't, DeAndre Ayton is such an enigma that I, I mean, we could do 45 minutes. Yeah. I could do locked on DeAndre Ayton and probably <laughs> fill enough time because he is such a, a fascinating dude. Uh, so setting that aside, like I think some of these players were what they were, but the ability to find better, uh, find talent, make it better and and bring it all together. I mean, that's that's what a coach and GM are supposed to do, but it's not very often you find that kind of uh, synchronization of those two positions that we've gotten here in the Valley with the Suns and you're, I mean, the results speak for themselves, I think. Yeah, for sure. You know, that, that was well put. I mean, and, and obviously we're talking about this because I feel like, and and unfortunately, the Suns roster wasn't good before Monty Williams. Like I would have loved to see, like it was obviously like what it is now. Um, you know, the I I'm of the I'm in the camp. I'm the president. I'm the I am I am the president of this fan club that Cliff Kingsbury is the wet blanket on the town of the talent on the talent that the Cardinals have on the roster. And I feel like if there was just an adult, Amani Williams as head coach, the trajectory of this team would change. And I know that you have some Igor Kokoshkov in you when you watch Cliff Kingsbury. I know you yeah. have some Lindsey Hunter in you when you watch Cliff Kingsbury. Call, I've got, I get him on Sundays. You know exactly what I'm talking about because yeah. you've lived it. Is it a... Uh, 
can he grow into being that guy? Or do you think like be like this is an honest show? I don't sugarcoat mm-hmm. things. There's no there's I don't find I don't find the value of it. I don't find the merit in it. Do you see enough growth from Cliff Kingsbury that he can be a guy that can lead a team to a playoff win? Let's start there. Well, it, it's not so much based on my son's experience because none of those guys did that for the Suns. Yeah. Um, you know, they all got fired. They all were pretty <laughs> yeah. bad at their jobs. Um, they didn't get five-year extensions uh, after failing. So um, I feel like the the answer from that standpoint would be, yeah, you know, the Suns only were able to flip that switch once they got a little bit of stability in the room. But I think at the same time, like, I mean, if we're sticking on the Suns thing, like, you know, um, Paul Westfall was a fairly young coach when he took over that Mike D'Antoni was unproven, like, you know, even in the Suns, but obviously in the entire NBA, there's plenty of coaches who come out and are young and, and succeed right away. I mean, Eric Spolstra, probably the best version of that in the NBA where yeah. the structure that Pat Riley was able to build in Miami, the fact that that Dwayne Wade was there to provide like a pretty high floor for what the team was going to be talent wise every year. Spo, Spo was able to come in and succeed because there wasn't, he wasn't being asked to be the lifter of all, you know, the, the rising tide to lift all of the ships across the whole franchise. Right. So I think that's probably the way that it does work. I, it just like, it was, you could see from a mile away, the Igor Kokoshkovs, the Earl Watsons, those guys were never going to work here. Why would a random young guy who has no experience doing the job be able to suddenly mold players into a championship level team having never done it? Like it just, none of it ever made sense. The process was flawed from the start. So it's not to Sounds say not that's right. how it is with Cliff. Um, he's at least a little bit more experienced than most of the guys that the Suns have brought in. Like we were talking people who were never head coaches at the NBA level or college level who they frequently were bringing in very very bad decision making there um but look i mean you and i you and i have talked about cliff you know that i i lean more toward your side of things i am pessimistic unfortunately i i it would it would make me more than thrilled to be more optimistic (laughs) about how that situation has played out i just i mean the results speak for themselves and i I haven't really liked what i've seen but um look it it can happen i i do tend to think though like you're right eventually push is going to have to come to shove and if Kyler is the book in this situation, then, um, you know, the trajectory we were on in, in Sunsland was, is this guy going to ask out and we need to get some stability around him in a hurry. And I, I don't want it to get there with Kyler, but you know, that's what sports are right now. People, people control their fate if they don't like what's going on. I hear David Loggy yelling at me and Ross Jackson yelling him in my ear. Cause I'm doing a 17 minute segment and I'm not going to break it up, but I am going to end it. Brendan clean locked on suns hear him every day, free and available on all platforms, uh, dude does a great job. Um, your growth, like you, you started a couple years out, but you, like you've really taken that that podcast by the cojones and done a great job with it. Um, at Brendan Clean fourteen on Twitter, just you have thirty seconds. Can you can you put in all your jobs in thirty seconds? Where other uh, no job work? needs to be said except for Suns.com. I will have more oh, consistent playoff coverage coming on the team website throughout the uh, postseason run here. So. Just check check the Twitter feed, check suns.com, read, l- listen to the podcast. It should be a fun run. So, uh, yeah, thanks for having me on, Alex. Of course, man. Uh, thanks for making Locked On Cardinals your first listen each and every day. Now make Locked On NFL Draft your second listen. Ryan Tracy and former corner Eric Crocker. These guys are some of the best in the business. 30 minutes every day. 
anything you need to know, mock drafts, anything you need to know about your favorite team, they will give it to you free and available on all platforms. Alex Clancy, Locked on Cardinals. We'll talk to you tomorrow.